Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Platitude Era podcast. Thank you for listening to us, whether it's on Spotify, Anchor app, Google Podcast, or anywhere you hear podcasts. That's at Platitude Era. And for those of you that are joining us on YouTube, that's at Platitude Era. And thank you to all our new subscribers that are joining us and watching our podcast. And in this episode of the podcast, we will be reviewing the movie Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Now, is that what it's called? Or is it called Guillermo del Toro Presents Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark? Uh, I mean, his name is there. It's on the poster. It says produced by. I wouldn't call it his. You wouldn't call it he presents it? No. Now, uh, synopsis for this. What would be the synopsis? Usually in movies like this, they say based on the best-selling book or based on the book. But this is a little different because the original book, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, that everybody's familiar with because it's the book you find in your elementary school library. Uh, it's just a collection of folklore. And this movie, it's, it's a movie that tries to connect all those folklores together. So well, how would you do the synopsis? I guess we would synopsis this as uh, it, in a small town, uh, mysterious and, and spooky events happen or scary stories come to life in a small town. Yeah, that's about it. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't elaborate much further than that because that's all that happens. Yeah. So you have the book with the stories that take place in the movie in a small town. And spooky stuff happens. And it's like one of those small towns in middle America where uh, everyone overlooks. But the people that live in that town are used to the spooky events. Mm, Well, the spooky events, like, similar in the vein to it. Well, not even similar in the vein to it. Just, like, spooky stuff did happen. And then it's been a long pause in between spooky stuff. Now spooky stuff's happening again. But it's, it's not happening to everybody. It's just happening to a small collection of people particularly our protagonists. Now, the way we talk about our our movie review podcast, we not only review the movies, but we go into detail. We dissect everything. So we like to first start with the marketing, which is, did it, like, how did it grab our attention? Like, did we really want to go see this movie? Could we not wait to see this movie? Or was it we had to see it because we always have to see something? Now, the marketing in this was, you know, typical, you know, a couple trailers here, some ads, some posters, but they really took advantage of the stories that everyone knows. I know something that kept coming up in a lot of reviews was uh, the Herald story, which is the the scarecrow, and he was prominently featured in, in the marketing material. And then there was another story about the woman with a spider in her face, spider face woman. And, and then lastly was a story that I wasn't familiar with. And I don't think it's the, the really popular one. It's the poster with the red all over. And then you have the creepy woman walking down the hallway. Are, are you familiar with that story? Uh, I don't recall the story. I mean, the image is like, it's one of those more iconic images that I think of when I think of scary stories. Like, oh, I remember seeing that weird looking thing. So, yeah, I wouldn't say anyone wouldn't remember the name, but they're like, yeah, that's a familiar enough image. A pseudo mascot. So did the, did the marketing draw you in? Did it make you want to see it? Or you just had to see this movie because there was nothing else to see? Well, it's a little from column A and a little from column B. It's like, oh, scary stories. That's a, pop, that's a property I'm familiar with. Oh, Guillermo del Toro. That's a property I'm familiar with. Oh, movies. That's a, that's a, 
product I'm familiar with. Put them all together. It's like, I guess I'll go watch it. Now, what's interesting with this is the the marketing really drew me in because two of the three posters uh, really called me because I recognized those stories. Well, actually, I only recognize or remember the story. I haven't. Gosh, I checked out this book at the library last year when we did our Halloween episode. And I remember I read all the stories, but I don't remember the Herald one, which I heard was in the third book, not in the first one. I don't remember the hallway one, but I do remember the woman with the spider in her face. And uh, these posters are very creepy, nice looking. That drew me in the commercial as like, wow, I've read the book. I know each each uh, section of the book or each story is, is folklore. How are they going to tie it into a movie? I thought it was going to be like, um, uh, what's it called? Are you afraid of the dark where kids gather together on a campfire and tell a story? But it's it's not like that, right? No, there's a more uh, consistent th- plot through line. It's just like it's similar to the Goosebumps movie that came out a few years ago. It's just like there's these group of kids and then, you know, the sto- the the stories from the books are brought into their story, which, you know, eh, eh. Now, this is a good transi- transition into what we're going to be talking about, the stories. So this, like you said, it's uh, like a typical movie. It follows the story of these kids. Can we call them the Scoobies? Are they like the Mystery Squad, a collection of the Loser Squad, you know, from It and and from Scooby-Doo, where it's a collection of friends and they just do stuff together and somehow they embark on a spooky journey? Yeah, pretty much. It feels pretty been there, done that. So you just confirmed that the story is pretty much just a copy of everything else. So it's got elements of uh, Stranger Things and it in the sense that it's a group of friends just uh, hanging out, doing stuff. Uh, It's also what I noticed and back me up on this elements of the movie, The Ring. You had the, the story about the movie, The Ring, where you see a tape and then there's like a witch after you. And this was kind of like that, where the the scary stories are chasing the kids. And at the same time, the kids are trying to solve a mystery. Yeah, that's reasonable. Yeah, it just felt like uh, this story copied a lot of other things, but I wasn't annoyed by it. I know I I saw a different YouTuber review this and they complained how it was just all the horror tropes, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the story. Uh, I would agree. Well, I wouldn't say I was annoyed with this movie, but just like, I just, I feel pretty meh. Just like, oh, it's, it, this feels pretty, you know, I, like I said before, been there, done that. It's, it's kind of bland. I don't, I don't come away other than the familiar imagery from like, you know, the designs of the monsters from the books. Like I walk away with this going kind of like, eh, I've seen this before. I didn't spend $15 on this. I felt the same way too. I've seen it before, but I'm like, wow, this is, uh, this is fun. I guess it was a combination of the stories, how the story was set up. And also with the directing, the atmosphere, the creatures, there were quite a few creatures here. There was that one creature from the story that was in our um, earlier video, which was our Halloween special, the big toe. There was Mm -hmm. a creature there claiming his missing toe. There was a creepy woman. If you can see here on, on the poster, the red uh, image in the poster. There's a creepy woman there. That was a creepy creature. And then the one that everyone's talking about that said was the scariest and was a big part in making the movie creepy was, what do you call it? It was the guy. Well, the story was the meets high Dodie Walker. 
and it was the guy mm-hmm. that uh, came down a chimney and he he assembled himself. He came down a chimney in pieces and then he assembled himself together like he was a T one thousand, and he just was really creepy the way he walked. He would walk kind of like uh, the spider walk from the Exorcist movie. Then he would walk like on all fours, like if he was an animal. Was it like the Grudge? Is that what the weird uh, weird monster thing is? Oh, correct. The Grudge and the Ring. So, what do you think about the creatures? Uh, yeah, they were pretty cool. Sometimes, it, like the CG looks weird. Just like, oh, seeing a two D image portrayed in a three D rendering uh, doesn't look right. And um, I think if it wasn't for the creatures, I would be annoyed with the story because, like you said, it's just borrowing everything. But just the creatures and the way that the the movie was shot, I, I was annoyed by it. Yeah, but I mean, like, for me personally, I, I wish like this had taken more of a an anthology route, or, or like, because I mean, just like the books, the books are just an anthology of these stories. So like, I would have preferred if it was just, hey, uh, tell the, each story for like fifteen minutes or whatever, and then move on to the next one. I think I would that would have been a more interesting thing for me, because I guess it would have been more faithful to the book. But a lot of those stories are like three pages long, and like. Most of them end with, and then I get you. And then, you know, you, you <laughs> yell really loud if you're, you know, reading the book to a group of friends or whatever, back around the sixth grade campfire or whatever. I don't that's know. What, that's what I heard from another YouTuber that they would have preferred it went an anthology route. And what I've noticed from anthologies is that they don't perform too well at the box office. People, for some reason, hate anthology movies. Uh, there was a the movie VHS that didn't do too well. And I know there's been well, a couple of two anthologies. VHSs, didn't they? Oh, actually, three. Oh, there you go. And um, yeah, the only reason they made sequels was because they kept it at a very low budget. Mm. And um, oh, what else? Uh, like, I have this example, but I don't know if everyone's going to get it. Uh, Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino and, and two other directors uh, got together and they made an anthology movie, uh, Four Rooms. And I remember I heard a presentation. I saw a presentation. It's on YouTube with Robert Rodriguez. And they were asking him something about, he he was a guest lecturer in a college class. And they asked him some question about the industry. And he said that he wished he would have known about anthology movies and that they don't perform that well at the box office. That he did Four Rooms and it performed really poorly. I guess I don't. Well, didn't four rooms suck? I mean, no offense to Robbie, but uh, doesn't nobody like that movie? That's true. There was like two stories that just weren't that exciting. I don't remember who the directors were. One of them had Madonna in it. She was uh, she was like a witch thing, and there was another one. I forgot what it was. And then the last two were supposed to be the really good ones. One was with Robert Rodriguez, which was kind of like the prequel to Spy Kids, where it's about these kids and they misbehave. And then he actually did say in an interview that he was inspired to make Spy Kids by his little anthology in four rooms because the kids and the parents, they wore suits. So it kind of looked like they were James Bond or secret agents. And then the Quentin Tarantino one was uh, that was an interesting one because it was, you know, his style of talking dialogue and it just pretty much didn't go anywhere. And then it just had like typical Tarantino, the final part or the third act was just like greatly exaggerated but but those two if you do watch four rooms uh just fast forward the first two uh stories just to get to the to the last two that's where it really comes together and entertains and that's why you like scary stories to tell in the dark (laughs) 
<laughs> and now we're transitioning to directing. So the director, his name is, uh, I have it right here. Uh, it, I guess, what, is he from Sweden? Because I, he's the director of Troll Hunter. And I thought that movie was a Swedish film. I'm not uh, sure. But his name is Andre. And then he's got that uh, O with a line through it, Orverdell. Uh, I don't know how you pronounce it. Director of uh, Troll Hunter. And it says he's more known for the autopsy of Jane Doe. Uh, really gave it a really nice look. I really liked the look of the movie. It was kind of like it. And it was kind of like these movies that I liked in the 90s, these scary stories or scary movies, for example, uh, Pet Cemetery 2 and Hocus Pocus, where it takes place in the autumn. So it's always cloudy and it's always dark. Mm. What would you think about the, well, when we talk about directing, we talk about everything that makes up the movie, the way it was shot, uh, camera angles, the score, uh, editing just pretty much everything so is there anything you want to you want to add to it uh, no nothing really reached out and grabbed me i didn't i couldn't tell you like anything in particular that made me go oh yeah that was good directing it just kind of was for me i mean yeah i guess like in the ambiance or the, you know the the way the way the like the uh what art direction or whatever just yeah i guess it was kind of dark and gloomy as it would be in the fall and it's Pennsylvania. Something like that. I don't, I don't remember. I missed out the small town. Uh, not to be confused, because I know when we're watching this, we also saw Goosebumps too, and that one took place. Where was it? In Pittsburgh or near uh, Pittsburgh? I think they just like oh, small town on the East Coast. Hey, every other movie that's about kids in a book or whatever it takes place in a small town in the East Coast. Yeah, so I liked that it was dark and gloomy, but there was something about this movie that I didn't feel like it took place during Halloween, because that's, that's when the movie takes place, in Halloween. In 68. In 68. And then, I guess to also bring up that another uh, YouTuber critic brought up that there was a lot of uh, political stuff in the background. There was the Vietnam War going on, and then there was the Nixon election, not mm -hmm. when he ran against Kennedy, but uh, post-Kennedy, I guess he was running against Lyndon B. Johnson. So there was, I guess, little subtle nods of a political message in the background, but we're getting off track. I just, I really like that look of cloudy and, and gloomy, but it, for a movie that took place on Halloween, I didn't really feel like it was during Halloween compared to uh, uh, what the Halloween movie with the first one with Michael Myers in the 70s and, and Hocus Pocus. It was missing like, like only the beginning is like when they first find the book. I think it takes place on Halloween, and then I guess technically the rest takes place in the like first week of November. Oh, that's true. Yeah, but they didn't bring much attention. Like you knew it was Halloween because like the kids all dressed up, and then after that, it's like, oh yeah, it's just another day now. I guess it's November first or whatever. Who cares? So I guess they were going for that spooky where it was like, uh, oh, just because it's after October thirty first, that means that the evil is gone and it's not going to follow us till next year, and it's like. No, what makes it scarier is that it's still chasing you. And then we also like to talk about the acting here, uh, who was really good in this movie and, and did a really good job, was uh, the girl. Would you admit that the girl was a really good job? Zoe Margaret Coletti, she played Stella. Uh, she did fine. I felt like sometimes like the movie was a little melodramatic, I think. I don't know. I remember towards the end, I was like kind of rolling my eyes because it was like, 
you know, oh, you don't have to be evil, evil, whatever, as, you know, we can be friends or whatever. And I'm like, eh. You just need some kids at school to think you're cool, you know, that you're in the club and then everything will be fine. Mm. Yeah, it did get very dramatic. I think uh, it was good that they put some drama into it. It was uh, Zoe Margaret Coletti. And then you had Dean Norris, who was a officer or agent Schrader from Breaking Bad was in it and he played the dad and there was like a little bit of drama and the drama adds to the scary factor when you're worried for your characters and you feel something for your characters and you get scared when they're in harm's way and it was like at a two and then it just kept going up to three four and then by the time it got to level five and then they just started cranking it at 10 because there was something where it's like daddy i'm sorry i'm sorry for what happened she was speaking very vague and the dad was completely lost and he's like what wait what you know and, and then, like, I'm starting to get frustrated because it's like your dad thinks one thing and you think something else and you're not communicating well what's going on. But you're trying to sell this dramatic scene, you know, just to get some some uh, waterworks from the audience. If there's one thing I can appreciate about this movie, it, it was like, although it like it didn't really feel that way, it still kind of felt like a kid's movie to me. But it, I mean, it it was pretty dark in tone. I mean, like. They throw out like racial slurs without like, you know, hesitating that like the, the matter, like it all seems pretty like serious kind of, it's all treated pretty seriously in a, with an adult temperament to it. Like, uh, you, you know, things happen to the kids and then, you know, maybe they don't come back or it's pretty gruesome or all that. It's like, it's a PG 13 movie based on a kid's kid's, uh, anthology horror anthology book. So it's not meant to be too scary, but then there's like kind of a lot of darkness to this, which is, which was pretty nice. I just kind of wish that the movie lent more into it. Mm, good point. Cause I know something that everyone's going to say and what you're going to notice if you watch this movie, it's rated PG 13, but it looks like uh, they got away with a lot. The ratings board let them get away with a lot. Cause there were some scenes that were just like, Oh my God, this doesn't look like a PG 13. It was like what, like one of the earlier Steven Spielberg movies, like poltergeist or, or what else could it be where, we were watching it and we were surprised we're like oh my god this movie's pg or pg-13 yeah there's like i'm not saying that this makes it cool or over the edge or anything but there's a fair bit of cuss like i think they throw a few shits or you know damn god damn it's or whatever so you know it takes itself a little more seriously than the uh or source material would leave you to believe and how many violent deaths did you see? I mean, sure, there were deaths in the, but we're talking. I mean, about everything's the pretty deaths. gruesome. That ha- every you know interaction somebody has is fairly gruesome, I guess. And what would be your recommendation for this movie? Uh, for me personally, I think I would just wait till it comes on cable or something. I don't, I, I don't think it's really worth going into the theaters. Like maybe just rent it closer to Halloween or see if it like ends up on a bargain bin or on a sale or something. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, my recommendation for this is see it when you get a chance. I mean, it's it's a lot of fun, and it's you're familiar with the books. You grew up with the books, and it's it's nice to see their take on it and how they try to do the best they could telling a story that they didn't know how to tell because it was an anthology. But there were some elements there that shows that they cared for the source material and respected it. You know, they made the scary ghost. And they try to tell a, a decent, scary story, which uh, we'll get more into in, in the spoilers. Um, so as far as recommendation, should people stay 
uh, credits during credits after credits. That's one of the things I always care about the movies is uh, if I know that something's coming up, I want to stay. I hate it when I stay and there's nothing afterwards. What do you say? I would say no. I wouldn't even stay during like like during the like the first bit of credits when it's all kind of like an animated like artistic whatever that like they like hired some company to do like you know a cool cg whatever like i was kind of hoping hey like i wasn't in love with the design for the monsters it you know it looked kind of weird in 2 3d and from a 2d interpretation like oh at least the end credits will show like you know the original art and that'll look cool they don't even do that for the end credits so i wouldn't even sit through the end credits well said yeah um we were expecting to see during the credits the the original art from the book or or somebody i don't know if the artist is still alive that made the book because i heard the author has already passed away i don't know if the original artist was there that could have drawn something up or somebody well, you didn't even need to draw anything you just style. ripped the stuff from the books that's true that but maybe add like a little more like a few more drawings something tied closely to to the movie and what we saw but, uh, you know, it makes sense because you watch the ending of the movie and everything wraps up. So you shouldn't be expecting anything in the credits because usually a credits means that there's like another movie coming up or there's something that wasn't wrap up that they well, save for the I end mean, credits. The ending of this movie, it's not really a spoiler because who gives a shit. But uh, <laughs> the ending does set up a sequel going back to when I said the movie was dark. Like the movie does kind of have a sad ending. And it does set up a sequel, so you 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 think you'd expect more or something. I don't know, but no, just just nothing. This ain't no Marvel movie. No, that's interesting. How we saw the same movie, but we interpreted it differently. You interpreted it as they're setting up a sequel, and the way I interpreted it's like, okay, how could they not be uh, setting up a sequel? Story's over. Uh, there's no reason to put anything in the end credits, and, and there's no reason to come back next year, same time. All right, and and with that, how you said about the spoiler, we transition into the spoiler section. So uh, you know what to do. If you haven't seen this movie, pause the podcast, watch the movie, come back. And uh, if you don't care, you don't want to see the movie, or like how we say occasionally, come on, are we honestly really going to spoil this movie? Are you really going to see this movie? Can we really spoil this movie? Because, come on, how likely are you to see this movie? So uh, you first, talk about a spoiler. Everyone dies, and everyone that dies doesn't come back. Even the likable protagonist. There, I spoiled it. Wow. And 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 everyone, even though their kids die in a very gruesome way. Yeah, I'd say so. And then at the end, like one of the lines is like, "Although they're all gone, we're still looking, or we have hope that we'll find them." And then they're going driving cross country to do something. I don't know. Whatever. See, I, I took that as um the ending from Pet Cemetery Part Two. Where it was like, uh, you know, we experienced this horrible event and now we're moving far away from this haunted town. And that's how I took it. And that's why I thought. Well, then you oh, weren't paying it. attention to the movie. That's true. I also did show up a little bit late, just a little bit late. So I missed kind of the beginning. Well, the beginning doesn't matter for shit. I mean, all <laughs> you have to do is pay attention to the last five minutes. Yeah, I, I just find it hard to believe that they'll be able to find the, the missing people. You know, everybody was gone. And I, I don't I don't know how they can come up with a story to bring everybody back or, or find a way to bring them back. If if they decide to go that route, then, you know, that movie's going to be worse because there's no way to write a story where everyone comes back. Everyone's gone. 
it is technically still for children, although I guess not. I don't know. It's it's hard to pin this movie because the the ending makes sense if the movie was more successful, but it wasn't super successful. So of course, I don't think the sequel be, will be made. So this but is it where, still did set that sequel up. This is where uh, you see Guillermo del Toro had a hand in it because, like you said, this is a movie for kids, but the way the movie was shot, it looked like a like a scary movie for adults. I guess now, uh, since Guillermo del Toro has done well, he probably has some pull with the ratings board, like Steven Spielberg, where I guess he could say, come on now, it's it's not that scary. It's not that bad. When I was oh, a yeah. kid, I, I grew Comparison up to watching... Saw, like 19, sure. <laughs> uh, anything you want to talk about the spoilers? I don't know, like what, your favorite uh, story that was featured in the movie? I mean, I guess Harold, I guess that's the most iconic one. But, you know, I wasn't in love with his design. It kind of looked like the uh, the book, but, you know, you shouldn't 3Dify something that was in 2D. Good point. Yeah, maybe, do you know if this movie came out in 3D? Maybe it was meant to be seen No, I, I mean, I mean, just like Detective Pikachu comes out and what you've been staring at as a cartoon for decades, they CG render into a 3D whatever, and it looks kind of weird. It doesn't look right. Like watching Homer Simpson in 3D doesn't look right. <laughs> so we had the Herald story and then one that I liked. I liked them all. I liked the way they were incorporated. Um, the one that I remember because they, the teacher or like the first time that I actually did hear about scary stories, a uh, teacher read it to the class and it was close to Halloween was the big toe. That's the first story. And that's the one that we read in our, in our, uh, Halloween YouTube video was the big toe. Uh, so that one, I'm the most familiar with that one. The other stories I'm, I'm not that familiar with. I remember the, um, the spider, the lady that she thought it was something else. And then just one day, poof, all these spiders popped out. And, and that was uh, very interesting. And I like how the act- actress sold the, the spider thing. Like she had a big phobia of spiders. Cause then afterwards it's like these spiders came out of her face and then she had to be locked up in a mental asylum because, you know, just being drenched in your fear drove you crazy. And uh, I guess one more thing we can talk about the spoilers was the ending, which was just completely weird. And this is where I connected to The Ring, where in the movie The Ring, the lady, the reporter sees the videotape and she has to solve the case in order to save her life. And in this one, it's kind of the similar way these friends steal this book and each one is dying one by one from the stories. And uh, the friend has to figure out a way to uh, save everyone's lives. And the way she does this is she finds the writer of the book kind of in the ring where the lady, the reporter in the ring found the creator of the tape lady here finds the book. And then it's just like a weird thing where it's like, okay, you're writing these stories and they're coming to life. But for some reason you can't write your own story. I will write your story. Any any thoughts on, on the ending? Just how it just ended in a weird way? No. Felt pretty I, generic to me, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I was almost it was... expecting the movie to be like like have a dumb twist where like, oh the little girl liked to read to write stories. Oh the the ghost likes to write stories. Oh, they're the same person. Well, I guess I'm glad I didn't do that. <laughs> but I, I just I just found it weird where it's like, okay, 
uh, I'll write your story. I'll write what happened to you. And poof, the curse is lifted. And then at the end, it kind of seems like she, she tricked the ghost because she's like, so I wrote the story, you know, so the ghost can leave me alone. But uh, nobody believes it. Everyone thinks it's like a fictitious work that I wrote when uh, it's actually a true story, but people find it hard to believe. And this, this uh, old ghost story, the, what happened to this woman who's the ghost, who's haunting the book, who's killing everybody, uh, what happened to her happened, what, over 100 years ago? Mm-hmm. So nobody remembers her. Nobody cares about her. Was there was there any urban legend or anything that the kids said in the beginning that said this this old woman her story is true or it exists? No, it was just kind of town knowledge that she was nuts and then like she killed herself and then like her family died or whatever. Yeah, it's just that was just my my complaint was just the way it ended. It seemed like they didn't know how to end it and they wanted to come up with something cool because. I think Guillermo del Toro is a big fan of the horror movies and he knows the rules. So usually when you have a ghost story, it's because a ghost has unfinished business, but they didn't know what unfinished business it was. And they just threw something in together. Well, I mean, kind of reminded me of Mama, which was also produced by Guillermo del Toro. Or like, didn't it just kind of end? Yeah. And just like have a, like a weird ending and then, oh, it's over. Yeah, because it, it drew you in because you're following this story like, oh, is the ghost real? Is it not real? I mean, are the girls crazy or do they actually see a ghost? And then it draws you in and then they finally get to the third act and they don't know how to end it. It's just like, oh, her name is Mama. She's a ghost. She lost her kids and then she wants to adopt these kids. And then, it, yeah, it's it's uh, I'm trying to think because somebody was was famous for this where they would write a really good story but they didn't know how to end it. I'm thinking maybe it's Stephen King. Some people complain about the way his, his stories end that it's like, wow, great development. The story's going great. But then once you get to the third act and once you get to the ending, it's like, he doesn't know how to end it. It's like the end. All right, everybody. Uh, Thank you very much for listening to our podcast for our review of scary stories uh sure we talked about the good the bad uh we provided our recommendations now it's up to you to see the movie or not see the movie so uh write in the comment section if you're gonna see the movie or if you've seen it uh we're curious to see what your thoughts are about the movie uh hey you know we'd love to hear your voices so download the anchor app it's a podcasting app and send us a voicemail so we can hear your voices and you might be featured on a later episode so keep up with us on anchor spotify uh, Google podcast or any other podcasting at platitude era or uh, f- continue to follow us on YouTube at platitude era uh, subscribe to us that way you always know when the next podcast is out and uh, watch another video from our library you can also follow us socially uh, we're not big socialites we're not on social media but uh, just in case you find us at the right moment right time uh here's the stuff somewhere in the corner social tags whatever uh what else anything else you want to share before we go nah. all right everybody good night